0: Our reading today comes from the book of Exodus. The uh, setting here is the Israelites are on, on the move out of Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to do work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahizamak, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Let us pray. Lord, you continually shape us and our world. Grant that we may continually explore the frontiers of your love. Amen. Every year I'm asked to talk about Christian art here in chapel, one time a year, and uh, it is my privilege to do so. Discovering that reading that, uh, that we just looked at in my adult life brought a kind of assurance about my vocation. Um, given the, uh, the fact of the, the, the history of the Christian church and the relationship with imagery sometimes is a rocky one. And so I I grew up a little unsure whether being an artist was really the right thing for a Christian to do. But I see here, I see in this reading that the Lord has has something to say about this besides thou shalt not make any graven images. In 1996-ish, 30-ish some years ago, my math is fuzzy, uh, and I don't think that's an important part of this story. Um, 30-ish years ago, Professor Bill Bukowski was younger than I am now, and I was younger than any of you college students are now. And the drawing room in the newly minted Yilva Fine Arts Center, that was then the newest building on campus, the drawing studio hosted a big project. There were big paintings, big canvases that were at various stages of completion. They were being drawn or painted or filled in. I remember Bill Bukowski had his son Jeff helping, little Jeff, grade school Jeff. He was interviewed by KEYC and uh, in his little kind of squeaky voice he was talking about, it's really special that I get to paint, that I get to help my dad, because who knows how long these things will be around. You never know who will see these things, little Jeff said. Here we are 30-ish years later looking at these paintings daily. I want to go over uh, this painting in particular. I've, I've closed the panels. You may have noticed that uh, they were open for a time, and I've closed them for today. I'll open them up again. It'll be okay. Uh, a little disruptive, maybe. But I've been staring at this uh, for the whole, the whole semester, thinking about what to say to you about this. And we just, I just came from art history class. There's people here who are in art history class, and we'll use the same kinds of methods. We'll look at um, what we can observe. We'll look at really simple, observable facts. We call this formal analysis. And then we'll get into the narrative analysis, and I'll talk about, well, what should we believe? What should we think? What kind of invisible things are being transmitted or communicated through the visible uh, evidence? Okay. So, um, formal analysis. What can we see? Simple things like, well, there's two. A left and a right. There's a wooden frame around the paintings. Uh, We know that it's hinged, it opens and it closes. The, The frame integrates it with the architecture. There's a crown molding and a recess in the architecture that appears to be custom made. In fact, it was custom made to receive this painting. The format, the system, is called a triptych. A triptych means that this can open into one, two, three panels. Try. Uh, Right now... It's closed and we see the exteriors of what are the, the left and the right wings. These are stretched canvases. Historically, painting on canvas, which we're so used to now, you go to Hobby Lobby and they sell packs of canvases for an amazingly cheap rate. Um, well, the idea of a canvas, a stretched canvas, is a way for an artist to work somewhere else, to do a wall painting in another place. These paintings were done across campus in the Yoga Soccer Fine Arts Center, and that allowed them to be made in a lightweight way that could be carried and then installed. Um, prior to this, that would have been done right on site in a fresco painted right on the wall. Or maybe um, you could think of a tapestry in a castle. That's another way to kind of fill a large space optically with something that has meaning. So large canvases, there's two of them. We'll start getting into some more fine-grained obs- observations. We see three figures. Uh, on our left, we see a, a, a man. and On our right, we see two women. Um, in the center, there's a window in this small room. The window looks out into daylight, into space. We see some small buildings on a hillside, which probably are just like the buildings that we're inside of the building that we're inside of, the room that we're inside of. It's a spare room. There isn't much uh, to see on the walls of this room. The the man wears white and red. He has a beard and shoulder-length hair. He makes two gestures, one hand gestures towards him and one hand gestures away from him. The women on the right side One stands, wears a kind of a yellowy, earth-tone, simple robe. She holds a basket with bread. She turns her face towards the man. She turns her shoulders away from the man. The kneeling woman appears to be on the same mat as the standing woman. They share a standing space. You can see the standing woman's foot just peeking out on the mat. The kneeling woman wears purple with embroidery and a red sash. She faces her shoulders towards the man. There's two vessels, two jars on the bottom right. And there appears to be more depth along the right side. There's a square, a rectangle square hugging the right side of the canvas implying that maybe there's space back there. There's more to this than just the room that we're in. The the mat that they stand on has relatives. There are two other mats that flow off the bottom of the canvas, which for years baffled me. They baffled me. I didn't understand why the mats were there until recently, because I've stared at it long enough. And I'll share that with you. That's formal analysis, right? I just said things that we can see. And you can do this with any artwork, anytime. And you might, you might be surprised at what you discover by just simple, slow observation. Just looking and saying, what is true? What can I see? Let's start to unpack that. You can think of this as a 30 year old 30-plus year old gift that we can unwrap daily. I just described the wrapping paper. What can you see on the outside? Let's see what's inside the gift. What's it all about? Well, you know, we're smart. We know the Sunday school answer. It's Mary and Martha and One Thing Needful. Get to the answer and you know, then we can be done. Let's just be done. Be careful. Be careful about being too fast about a conclusion because you're missing the gift. If you, if you feel like you know a thing, Why would you keep on exploring a thing? Consider the benefits of exploring, trying to discover more. All right, so we know the Sunday school answer. We kind of know where this is going. Um, In art history class, we talk about uh, actions express priorities. Actions express priorities. The very existence of this painting says something. The fact that it's here means that this is This is a worthy concept for this institution. It was chosen, this topic was chosen, to be in front of us daily and here we are, decades later, still absorbing, still being affected by this this gift that's been given, not only by the artist, but by the institution, to us. So why? Why is it important? Well, let's consider these two women. Um, I know who the models were, are. One of them is in the room, I believe. Um, The standing model, uh, I, I gave you a hint. Her shoulders are turned away. You see shadow on one side of her face. Light coming from the window, but also shadow on the other side. The artist is trying to suggest something to you. Because her shoulders are turned away, from the window she she tends to be a little darker the shadow kind of uh covers her body she holds this basket as a signal of her attention the way that she faces is a signal of her attention that's really what this is all about what do you pay attention to how do you focus your attention all right so standing woman is martha right we know this i don't have to say that to you you know this um but how she is, is a message to you. Where is your attention? Is your attention on the bread? Is it on your survival? Are you worried? Are you worried about things that are not? Martha was constantly, well, I shouldn't say, let's not, let's not make assumptions about an entire personality based on one episode. In this instance, Martha was focused on what is not. She was concerned about the things that had not been done yet. She wanted to be a good host, right? And she was in a flurry of activity and she got upset. She said, Jesus, tell her to help me because, implied, there's stuff that needs to be done. There's stuff that needs to be done. Let's get it done. So she stands, right? She's not at rest. She's like, she just came from around the corner, flew into the room. She's got her work with her. Now the lazy one, Mary, just sits there. She's just sitting there. But the way she is says something too, right? The artist is, is giving us symbols in the way they are. The, the thing they wear says something about the way they are. Mary wears rich clothes. You know, rich-ish. Purple. This is not a... It's not an everyday thing. It's almost like she's, she got out her prom dress. She's got special clothes on. She's implying that this is a special event. This is something that should not be missed. And she sits. She plunks down. She can't be moved by her busy sister. Mary has focused her attention away from tasks and focuses it on what Jesus praises as the one thing needful. There's a lot of useful things, a lot of ways that you can, you can be useful in this world, but when it all boils down to it, there's only one thing that matters and that's God's relationship with you and your relationship with God. So Mary has chosen She's chosen to focus her attention on Jesus because there he is. He's right there in their house. This is a special moment. Martha thinks the same thing. He's here. This is a special moment. We should do something. Mary says, we should be present. We should should be here in this moment. They're both on the, the same mat. We'll get to that. Jesus stands, notice Jesus is barefoot. I don't know if that's significant. The gesture I'm pretty sure is significant and this is is one of the earth shattering revelations I've had about this painting. If you think about where those hands are, we could think in in, uh, theater terms. The upstage hand, the the hand that's far from us, uh, gestures towards himself. Well, Martha is the one that is upstage. He kind of mimics the way that she holds the bread. And it's as if the way he stands is speaking. He's saying, okay, well, you're, you're thinking about this. Then he gestures downstage. He gestures towards Mary in the front. But he's looking at Martha. He's speaking to Martha. His message is for her. They make eye contact. They look directly at each other. Because this is a conversation between them. And what he says is she is chosen. She's chosen wisely. Let her be. Leave her alone. This is good. Now that's not the earth-shattering part. The earth-shattering part is he's breaking the fourth wall, so to speak. He gestures outside the canvas to you. He's not only gesturing downstage in the painting. He's gesturing to you in your seat. To you on that mat. You sit on that mat in the foreground that flows off the bottom of the canvas. And Jesus, in this painting, says, You have chosen the one thing needful. You've chosen wisely. There's another mat that, po- that aims right here. Off the corner, just that sliver, aims at the pulpit. This is a site-specific artwork that's made for this space, and it's made to apply directly to this community. This is about Bethany. There's hidden messages here for you, a gift that you can unwrap with time. Martha wears the same color as Jesus, too. I'm sorry, Mary, Mary in the foreground. She wears that robe, that red sash, sort of as a symbol of allegiance. Martha wears, well, the color of bread, right? They wear the colors of their attention. What do I care about? It's sort of an external version of the internal cares. I could go on for hours and I ought not to. Um, So here's the thing to know. I think, the thing to, to take from this. Understand vocation. The Lutheran doctrine of vocation encourages you, just as this reading today encouraged me, that you have relevant work to do, regardless of your vocation. God gives you work. And that's specific to you. And that work, that vocation, we take from this painting, that that is important, but there is one thing needful, right? The work that you do is part of your identity. It's part of your future. You in college are thinking about that future. Stay focused, though. Remember, when it all boils down to it, let's say 30 years from now, another 30-ish years go by, I'm pushing 80. You're older than I am. And your, your children may be sitting in these seats. Well, with that amount of time, you might have changed careers several times. Your life is really unpredictable down that road, but we really hope that the one thing needful remains a central focus. That doesn't change.